0: Hot yoga? Excuse me? I used to do it at the leisure centre. It was never that hot though. We used to get some terrible drafts. Still, good news is I've uh, I've ordered some yoga mats and we can turn the central heating up. You ordered more stuff? Yeah, for us. Yeah, a trio of yoga mats. We can stick the DVD in, three downward dogs in front of the telly. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. The talk of the
1: street. Like the talk, of the talk of the street. Talk of the street. The
0: talk of the street.
1: Talk of the street. Talk of the street. Talk of the street. Talk of the street. Hello and welcome to episode 156 of The Talk of the Street, another official Cornish Street catch podcast that wonders exactly what happened in 24 hours at number 4 that changed Tim's mum from staying forever to leaving immediately. I'm Gavin.
0: And I'm really, really sorry I made you watch that Zack Snyder zombie movie.
1: You should be. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. As should Zack Snyder.
0: <laughs> Zack Snyder should just live in constant shame every day of his life.
1: The thing is that we knew it was going to be like that.
0: We knew it was going to be bad. We did, didn't realize how large the plot holes were going to be and how ridiculous the dialogue was going to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the zombie tiger was cool. Was it? Yes.
1: Oh, not like it was.
0: I liked it. And I thought they did a good job CGIing Tignataro in. I thought that was really well done. Apparently, Dave Bautista still hasn't met Tignataro.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, the characters don't really <laughs> cross all that often, do they? Well, in a two-and-a-half-hour movie?
0: He's the one who goes and recruits her, initially, through a fence.
1: Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, hmm.
0: oh, poor you dude. can give
1: praise there if you want to, but you could also throw a little I, bit
0: of scorn on it if I'm, you want I'm, I'm to. Find, I'm, I'm trying to find a silver lining, which is what I do. It's not the worst movie I've watched in the last 12 wait, wait, months.
1: You look for silver linings? Yes. Have you listened to this podcast?
0: (laughs) Even in this podcast, I look for the silver lining. Thank you very much. Holy crap. It's not the worst movie I've seen this year. It's probably, I'm trying to remember when when Benny and I watched that that new Nicolas Cage movie that was awful. It may not even be the worst movie I've watched this month because that Nick Cage movie was just so bad. Hmm. And I didn't I didn't watch, but I listened to Benny watching Mortal Kombat, and that didn't sound any better than the didn't original. Didn't that win
1: Oscars? No.
0: That, the, <laughs> that didn't sound any better than the original Mortal Kombat movies. Remember the original Mortal Kombat movies when we were kids? Oh, they remade them? Yeah, they remade it. For why? I don't know. I don't
1: even think it's video games anymore, is it?
0: No. I don't think you can play Mortal Kombat anymore. Maybe they're trying to bring it back. Who knows? but
1: maybe Kyla Monogue <laughs> will reprise her role in Street Fighter <laughs> am I right gents am I right <laughs> <laughs> one for the dance.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, poor Dave Bautista though he's getting a little long in the tooth to be playing action heroes hmm. apparently he said this is going to be his last uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie he's not going to play Tracks of the Destroyer anymore because he's old fair enough and he's the one who made the decision so all of those guys are like in their 50s he's in their his 50s Robert Downey Jr. is in his 50s I mean Chris Evans is in his 50s but you know a lot of those actors you know you've seen them change demonstrably from like the first movies to now you watch the original Iron Man and it's like geez, he's really matured over the years course, he, he watches like '80s movies, and he's really, really matured. Anyway, I don't know why we're talking about Robert Downey Jr. We?
1: Oui. <laughs> I don't think I've said a word in five minutes.
0: Our daughter's first crush was Iron Man, <laughs> following in a long tradition of being a nerdy girl, but like as, her mother.
1: As much as that zombie movie was terrible, uh huh. The Friends reunion.
0: I still haven't seen it. It was a
1: little bit of joy in the week. Oh. I felt. I watched it on Thursday morning uh-huh. on HBO Max right before work and I didn't realise it lasted for an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> so it was still on or I still had like 10 minutes to watch
0: mm-hmm. by
1: the time my first meeting rolled round.
0: Uh-huh. Oh.
1: And when I logged into the meeting I'm like, Gav, are you okay? I'm like, yeah.
0: yeah I'm fine, why? You,
1: lo- you look like you've been crying. Oh! <laughs> and so I had to quickly... Oh no, I've just been yawning. <laughs> <laughs> I've been crying my eyes out for an hour. For Over an hour the and a half. friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so lovely. There's a great scene with Lady Gaga
0: uh-huh.
1: with Phoebe, mm-hmm. and they're doing the whole smelly cat thing. Aww. And I out of all the friends uh-huh. uh, folklore, if you like, uh-huh. the smelly cat isn't my favourite thing. Well, no. It was. Funny the first time. Yeah. It's been diminishing returns since <laughs> it's not really worth anything, I don't think. So the, right. Lady Gaga. There are sings, worse things about friends though. Right. Sings smelly cat and that mm-hmm. choir come in. And <laughs> it was kinda funny. But then the lovely thing was that Lady Gaga says at the end of it, I just want to thank you, Lisa, for representing I'm going to paraphrase here, mm-hmm. Representing me and all the people who are different. Mm-hmm. Oh! And Lisa Kudrow says, thank you for continuing to carry the torch. And I just oh fucking lost it. <laughs> I'm starting to
0: tear up right now just hearing you talk about it. Mm-hmm. Oh my God.
1: It was just awesome.
0: <laughs> I'm really teary anyway. I... I I have a kidney stone and so am I pain meds. Mm-hmm. And I think they're messing with my emotions a little bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, this should be an interesting hour and a half then. <laughs> <laughs> huh? No, I really enjoyed it. Good, good. I'm going to have me, to watch it. It made me look up the um, uh, the apartment building mm-hmm. that's on Bedford and Grove right in the West Village. Mm-hmm. And the building hasn't changed, obviously. And no. The buildings round about it haven't changed. But right. what has changed is the, the, the business that's on the ground floor. Uh huh. On the first floor, if you prefer. Because that's where I think Central Perk mm-hmm. should have been. Right. And that's obviously not what is right. there in real life. But what's there in real life is a little restaurant called uh, Little Owl.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's a Mediterranean restaurant. Ooh. And so I looked up their menu. Uh huh. And.
0: <laughs> of course you did.
1: Their speciality seems to be... Uh, Smelly cats? <laughs> yes. Served <laughs> to you by Lady Gaga. Um, meatballs and gravy sliders.
0: Uh-huh. Ooh. So, pit stop when we drop the kids off there. Absolutely, is
1: what I'm thinking. <laughs> how, how did you guess? Cause they looked amazing. Because I know you. So, I'm in another meeting and I'm, uh-huh. I'm explaining this to uh-huh. because... Clearly, we're talking about work. Right. And so I ended up having to turn one of my laptops to face the other laptop to show the (laughs) sliders on screen. Because, oh, and gravy, that doesn't sound very nice. To Uh me, that sounds, you don't have to show me a picture. Right. To me, I'm in. Right. Give me two of them. Yes. But showing the picture to people, they were like, oh, my God, that does look good. So, yeah, just this lovely little quaint, what you'd expect to see in, The West Village, I guess. Right. Restaurant. Mm -hmm. But it's been there for 10 years because I looked at Street View back to 2011 and it's still the same place. It must be pretty good. Good. To last for 10 years in New York.
0: Yeah. That's impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I haven't, unfortunately, been watching any HBO Max, so I'm not caught up with Mare of Easttown even because, again, I've been battling a kidney stone. So I've been upstairs on my heating pad. And so basically the only television I've been watching is on Disney Plus and some Brit Box and stuff so I'm watching the old horrible X Men movies and then complaining to Nick about them. So <laughs> just yep. another just yep. another day. Excellent.
1: Shall we preamble my dear? Yes, please. Give me some of that hippie Cory news.
0: <sighs> Dame Maureen Lippmann has allegedly resigned from the actors union equity over Palestine. Union bosses had asked members to join a pro-Palestine march in London this past weekend, and she declined and asked for her dues back so she could give relief to organizations on both sides and accused equity of mob mentality and anti-Semitism. Yeah, I mean, obviously we don't have a dog in this fight, but I'm always uncomfortable when somebody both sides things where yeah, yeah. <laughs> moving on <laughs> <laughs> sally carbon and joe datine are abby and tim have postponed their real life wedding due to the pandemic well, that's- Yeah, the nuptials are scheduled for december and but they're putting it off another year in hopes of having a larger party she's like you know i really want to have a really nice big traditional wedding
1: mm-hmm
0: and if Can't we, really do that if these we days. can only have like 15 people, you know. Just like we're still going to get married; it's still important to us. But you know, we want to we want to do it right, and so we're we're putting it off. And I think that's really responsible of them. And I'm I'm happy for them.
1: Yep, greed. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to, from the practical side of it, if you're mm-hmm. going to throw a bunch of money at something, you'd really want to get your
0: your money's worth. Get,
1: get your return out of it, right. right? Yeah. And if it's going to be a special day, mate, right. then you want it to be as special as possible. And you don't want to be looking back and thinking, "Well, if only so and so and so and so could have been there, but right. we were limited to fifteen people, then yeah, yeah it's probably better waiting."
0: Yeah, you are only hopefully getting married once to mm-hmm. that to that person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you want it, you want it to be special, and you you don't want to have any regrets, correct? So. I speak from experience, having been married three times.
1: Just the two over here.
0: I'm catching up. You never will. Um, and I mean, one of those was an elopement, so it doesn't even count. Of course,
1: it counts. The last, like, in a Vegas wedding, doesn't count. They all count.
0: At least that's what I tell myself. Anyway. Finally, next week, Corey will not be seen during its normal time slot, moving to 9pm mm-hmm. on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday.
1: No, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. No, Monday, Wednesday and Thursday. No, it's on on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, that's that's what but I said. it's not on Wednesday. No, it's well, pretty sure it's Wednesday too no, from what not. I just read. No, it's not. Anyway, it's at 9pm.
1: To... No, Britain's Got Talent.
0: No, no, to allow ITV to introduce its newest show straight from the US and Japan, it's The Masked Dancer. Doesn't that sound awful? You're welcome, UK. <laughs> You're welcome. From the makers of The Masked Singer comes the Masked Dancer.
1: Kill your television.
0: <laughs> well, you know, Ned's
1: atomic dustbin was right. It's it's Kill Your Television.
0: It's it's the responsible show for a pandemic, isn't it? Dancing in masks.
1: i have to say.
0: (laughs) I do occasionally watch The Masked Singer because the kids like it and it's ridiculous. And it gets really meta because one time the Masked Singer was Kermit the Frog.
1: How the fuck does that even work? I don't know. (laughs) So the guy, the puppeteer was in the... What?
0: Either that or the puppeteer was behind the costume and stuck his hand with Kermit into the costume. I don't know. Again, it just.
1: Yikes. <laughs> so Saturday night TV on BBC One has been lowest common denominator for a while mm-hmm. with the wall.
0: Yeah.
1: But they've had this show called I Can See Your Voice. Oh, that's my Mm -hmm. alarm. that still haven't stopped. I Can See Your Voice, Mm -hmm. which is they get like five or six punters off the street as Mm far as I can make out, Dress them up. Tell people that they can sing and then they pretend that they can sing by miming and doing all this kind of stuff. While Alison Hammond, Jimmy Carr and Amanda Holden somehow managed to drag this out for 45 minutes. It's just awful and this sounds completely in keeping with that but that's, this is ITV but this means that this isn't the Britain's Got Talent Week. This is now the Masked Dancer Week. Yeah, I think it's on for an hour on Monday half an hour on Tuesday, half an hour on Thursday and an hour on Friday because Wednesday's football
0: But yeah, they're, they're saying ooh, because it's going to be at 9pm at night it's going to be even more dark and grisly Coronation and it's-
1: Street after dark <laughs>
0: and it's like when when did Coronation Street become the DC cinematic universe where the whole idea is go darker and go even darker and go even darker with no signs of light enough Yeah. Enough. after
1: 9 o'clock why not just throw in some blue jokes
0: right or some boobies <laughs> let's see some boobies on <laughs> Coronation Street and maybe an ass or two <sighs>
1: no Charlie Condu update
0: I I am an ass man or woman as you know I do like it our
1: mailbag (laughs) Chloe from Nova Scotia got in touch to say far be it from little old me to point out the glaringly obvious but it strikes me that you guys missed a trick in last week's episode, Lamb Chunks
0: (laughs) I thought we did Lamb Chunks to death
1: if Vicky was Irish Tina <laughs> and Chelsea was Scottish Vicky, then surely we already have an English Chelsea. So good luck and bon chance finding a Russian homeless Carol. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chloe. And then Gail wrote in to say, as a Canadian Corrie viewer, I am two weeks behind and have just finished listening to your Weatherfield Spartans podcast. Helen, I find myself nodding in agreement with all your comments, in particular your opinion about two different Asian women being in abusive relationships. As far as COVID goes, you folks in the States are so far ahead of us here in Ontario. Helen, you've already had your second shot, and as have I. Yes, at
0: this point.
1: My mum, who is 90, doesn't get her second shot until July. Yikes. Our stores, salons and restaurants are all still closed. Please stay safe, Gail, and particularly Gail's Mm mum.
0: Well, yes. And, I mean, I think this is why Canada's numbers have always been lower than ours, isn't it? Because their government is taking this a bit more seriously and the people are taking it a bit more seriously. I mean, people would be protesting... But somebody's not getting
1: a vaccine until July. Who's 90?
0: Yeah. Well, I I don't know how... um, what that sort of... Because the, the UK has been slower than we have as well and they've got the AstraZeneca one which is maybe not as good as Moderna Advisor. But I, I don't know. It just... It's it's funny hearing from different people in different countries about how their country is, is handling things.
1: Especially when they think that we're handling it better. Right. Because it doesn't feel like we've been handling it well at all. No. Up until recently.
0: Yeah, and even... <clears throat> even recently I do, i'm not fully in agreement with the cdc saying oh i know it's fine you can take your mask off now if you've been fully vaccinated because the people taking their masks off are, are the people who aren't going to get the vaccine at all mm. so anyway enough with enough with that other podcast we don't do yeah we're tiptoeing around
1: about this round about, the, <laughs> round about the, the border between this and that here's world podcast for coffee
0: made you made a a jingle for the new Emmerdale podcast, didn't you?
1: I did. I'm quite keen to see if they use it. I think they might. <laughs>
0: well, the 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 DMs seemed to indicate that they were quite excited that you were doing this for them.
1: I a, a uh, you Emmerdale. just love
0: to make jingles now, I do,
1: and I can't help myself. And I, I I had to pull myself back a couple of times because I thought, I... Oh, Am I intruding right. on somebody else's creative process and, and stuff?
0: We'll jingle for coffee.
1: Right. <laughs> but the, the Dale View, which started last week,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the, the Emmerdale podcast that I've been threatening for a while mm-hmm. now exists and, right. and we Good. don't have to do it. Thank God. But
0: no offense to the one
1: thing that they didn't have was a jingle mm-hmm. or an intro. And so uh, I kind of made one. But anyway... <laughs> Thank you to Kofi supporter and Australian Helen for buying our coffees this week. Woohoo! Mine is in a World's Greatest sayer 2014 Regional Semi-Finalist mug.
0: Mine is in my meh <laughs> mug.
1: If ever there was a mug that adequately expressed uh, emotion, it is your meh mug. Correct. Australian Helen, though, did help to point out a bit of ambiguity in the language on our Ko-Fi page, that's K-O-F-I page, vis-a-vis how much a cup of coffee costs in Eaton Rapids, Michigan. To be clear, five bucks will buy us both 24 ounces of Quality Dairy's Finest. Yes. However, for those kind souls who have been uh, giving us 10 bucks, that will buy both of us a 16 ounce of Big Bee's Lattes, yes. which is your go-to choice. I'm, I'm sorry if this confusion has led people to erroneously send us 10 bucks Thinking that's how much it costs to make sure that mm-hmm. one of us doesn't go thirsty <laughs> But sadly all purchases are final yeah. And there will be no refunds <laughs> So thanks very much to Ko-Fi supporter and Australian Helen for our coffees this week It is very much appreciated And if you want to buy us a coffee for next week You can do so by going to ko That's ko-fi.com Slash the talk of the street And we'll give you a shout out And say thank you
0: Thank because you. we like coffee We do
1: And we don't like paying for it No And now this
0: Yeah I really like that turmeric golden latte that they do With the oat milk
1: You're such a hipster <laughs> I just like black coffee
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome Tell that to the cream in yours
1: Welcome to Ho oh, ho <laughs> <laughs> Last year tonight with me John Oliver Just enough time to quickly talk about fish bed fees.
0: Fish bed fees?
1: Mm-hmm. Now you had a problem with this 12 months ago so I'm <laughs> expecting you have a problem with this now
0: I probably will
1: This was Mary talking about some of the content that she would have posted on social media in her formative years and wondered what her mother would have thought of her fish gape bed fees I assumed that a bed fee is a selfie that you take while in bed and a fish gape is that silly kind of sucking in your cheeks thing that people do
0: I thought she was paying to sleep in a bed with a fish, over a gate, or a gape. Gape. See, it sounded like gates to me. I don't know why.
1: Let's go with that. Sure. I was Gavin and you had a mouthful of coffee, so you didn't. You didn't do it. That week, <laughs> a tough week on Cory, and I'd taken the most depressing week in the world to take off on vacation. Remember that? And by vacation, I mean sat in the house for a week.
0: Right, because we couldn't go on vacation. Yeah, because of the panini
1: yeah we struggled more than usual to generate eight minutes of top quality pre-preamble banter it was the week of the big deirdre deirdra debate (laughs) that's how bad the week was (laughs) itv cory is one year old we were complaining that there still hadn't been an arrest on the roof collapse one year ago
0: yeah still still no arrest on the roof collapse
1: the Jewel Bailey storyline seems to have the good grace to reach a partial conclusion simultaneously and James is thrilled to hear Kirk sing the new James song that's sweeping the terraces. The ability of Corrie residents to get their SEO game to astonishing levels continues as Gemma's Vogue man- manages to attract likes and comments within minutes of its accidental release. Tim's dad is out of hospital and out of luck as he tries to get back into Yasmine's house. David irks a bunch of teenagers and lures them to an industrial estate for a potential fatal tickling competition before the police thankfully bring it to a conclusion. Remember, David used the words, let's dance, (laughs) in anticipation of a fight, and we almost broke our TV.
0: And then we put on our red shoes and danced the blues.
1: Dev refuses to let it lie. Craig is a snitch. Our moment of the week was David and Roy, specifically David, answering questions that Roy wasn't answering asking (coughs) he'd left his jacket behind right but they had all the show nothing going on and a boring moment the week was oxtail soup and i've no idea what that means what was it again i was
0: rubbing my ears
1: oxtail soup oxtail soup i listened to the episode (laughs) i didn't hear us reference it at all it's not in my notes
0: was daniel eating oxtails or daniel was making oxtail dough.
1: I mean, I assume it's <laughs> Daniel related.
0: <laughs> Daniel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the assumption of that time, but I don't know. Shall we dive in, yes, Medea? So, our first storyline is Sam in a van. On Monday, in the van, Sam has made a nest, but he seems to have eaten all of his snacks at some point over the weekend. I, how long has he been in this van? Is it just overnight?
0: I think it's just overnight.
1: But we've gone from Friday to Monday, so it feels like it's been longer.
0: Where has he been going potty? That's what I want to know.
1: That kid can hold it in. He's he's young, remember? You can hold it in.
0: Young kids cannot hold their bladders. They may be able to hold their sphincters, but not their bladders. He must be really dehydrated.
1: Right, let's go with that. (laughs) So he bangs on the side of the van for help, but then finds crisps and sandwiches and stuff in the lunchbox. Meanwhile, David's been searching all night at the school, at the Red Wreck, back at the school. (laughs) There's no sign of Sam. The door goes, and oh good, it's Sharon, armed with breakfast, and a thirst to know what progress has been made and what the police have said. Back at the incognito Airbnb... Leanne is trying to calm the nerves by insisting that if Harvey's gang were responsible for this, they'd have been in touch with demands, and knowing Sam, they'd definitely have been in touch. Nick isn't convinced and packs to get ready for his two buses back to Coronation Street to help the search. Leanne, though, has read the spoilers and suspects that it's a crap.
0: Thank you, Admiral Akbar.
1: Thank you for noticing.
0: Like I would like I wouldn't notice.
1: At the cabin, Brian is doing his best for the audience and trying to bore Sharon into a coma by talking about his commute to school and he goes through the back for a laptop so he can put out feelers for Sam around all the other sweet shops in the area. Just as D S. Baldy comes in looking for Sharon.
0: Is it all the sweet shops or was it like contacts that he has still in the schools for <laughs> advice? No I I didn't understand what exactly Brian was going who Brian was going to contact he thinks might help.
1: The plot was through the back. She <laughs> Brian, you need to come through the back because D.S. Baldy needs to come in. That's right. That's basically what happened. Right, yeah. D.S. Baldy says that he's investigating Sam's disappearance and wants to know uh, Sharon's relationship to Harvey. She explains, that admits to visiting them in prison recently. You don't turn your back on family, she says. And this seems to satisfy D.S. Baldy, who leaves. But it's clearly unsettled Sharon. Uh,
0: she if le- they know... If they know she's related to Harvey and that all of a sudden she's shown back up on the street.
1: And all of a sudden a kid's gone missing. And that kid is related in some way to...
0: Harvey's, yeah.
1: But the police seem satisfied by this. uh, And it's not mentioned again.
0: And they don't take her in for questioning the way they dragged poor Kelly in.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, Sharon leaves the shop just in time to see Nick arrive back at number eight in a taxi. He's uh,
0: he's wearing a hoodie.
1: He's disguised as a, he's as a disguised teenager. As,
0: he's disguised as a Unabomber. Again.
1: And he's ushered quickly in. Not suspicious in. at all. No press, shouts David. She <laughs> ushers him back into the house. So she gets on the phone and tells Harvey, he was keen for part two of the worst plan ever to be put into effect, which means getting rid of that kid. And this is uh, comes before our commercial break where I think we're supposed to be uh, worried about the ambiguity of get rid of the kid. Yes. Inside number eight, David is explaining to Nick how they've searched everywhere. The school, the red wreck...
0: Back at the school. Back at the school
1: again. And then Natasha arrives frantic with worry and blaming Nick. If it wasn't for him being with Leanne and Leanne being Simon's mother, and Simon having gotten in with a drug scam because Leanne was super depressed, and if Jacob hadn't been skimming money from Harvey and there wasn't any money coming into the flat because Oliver had just died and she'd taken a sabbatical from work and Sam had just appeared in his life And she was off working in that London, so he was looking after Sam, none of no, this would that's have what
0: happened. It. <sighs> Does this mean she's not going to pay for the sinkhole anymore?
1: That's what I've posted. Or
0: or fire Gail from being her house cleaner.
1: Yeah. Natasha's spinning a lot of plates here. She really is. If she just fucks off and leaves them, what's happening? (laughs) We deserve answers. Meanwhile, Sam's working on his fifth bag of crisps and spends a good 30 seconds where this is the only thing on ITV. And he's winding <laughs> up a radio so he can listen to a Weddy County phone-in. The fan... The fan? The van. The van moves off and Sam, supposedly a bright kid, is still under the impression that this is all a huge misunderstanding and bangs on the side of the van again for help. Even though he is intelligent. I think he, can, he could be in that situation thinking... There's nothing untoward here. This is kind of my fault. I've got into this van by mistake.
0: Right.
1: It's not my fault that the van had -hmm. to drive off because that's what vans do. Right. So, but after a day, would you
0: not be just a little bit concerned that he's, he's, Sam is book smart. He's not street smart. Let's be honest. And he doesn't have an awful lot of emotional intelligence as well. Right. You know. And so I can see a a kid like that being like, well, I'll just. Because you think he would look for something to get him up to that skylight that's conveniently on this van Mm -hmm. and find something to use as a screwdriver and detach that skylight and somehow drag himself up or something. The fact that he just kind of sits there and listens to the radio and is not trying to get out in any way did surprise me a little.
1: Yeah, I'd be a I'd be something of a whirling dervish in the back of that, making as much noise as I possibly could breaking things. Yeah. Trying to get through the front cabin. Which yeah. sometimes is possible depending on the type of van.
0: Yeah. Or throwing stuff at that skylight. Mm hmm. You know? But though.
1: He's got his radio working and he's quite happy. <laughs> back home, Nick's bright idea is to keep a note of everyone on the phone. Good job he's there for that suggestion.
0: Right, yeah. I, it's, it's like, why is Nick back again?
1: He's back to help the situation. By right. helping the situation, he means taking a note of everybody on the phone.
0: Right. And, you know, and telling people what to do and giving them advice that they don't need because it's stuff they were already doing.
1: <laughs> then the police Such a dude. Going to the school. Such and, a dude. Right, right. <laughs> Then the police arrive, and Natasha's sure it's bad news. And Nick, for some reason, nods in agreement.
0: <laughs> no, that was funny. It's like, mm-hmm. well, what, mm-hmm. w- why not say, "Well, we don't know yet. Let's let's just wait and let's see what they say." Instead of just mm. nodding in agreement silently that yes, this is bad news.
1: But it's good news. Sam's been found. He'd gotten trapped in the back of a van. He's been taken to hospital for a uh, for a precaution checkup. Nick and Natasha go off to see him. Well, shona Calls David, back from presumably the red wreck. (laughs) Or the school. school. (laughs) At At hospital, Sam explains what happened and promises never to climb into strange vans for discarded telescopes ever again. And then he reveals that after listening to the clockwork radio, he's now a Weddy County fan. (sighs) And he starts to recite a lot of statistics that nobody bothers checking and he's probably just making up. Nick calls Leanne and gives her the good news. She wants him back now, but he wants to wait until uh, Sam's been discharged from hospital. At least uh, this has all got nothing to do with Harvey. So Natasha apologises for jumping to conclusions while Sam natters on about Tommy-O in the background. Nick needs to go back into hiding now, but he promises to take Sam to a Weddy County game next season. Right. Then somehow, Sean has managed to wangle an invite to the pub with David and Shona to decompress after the excitement (laughs) of the day
0: why do people keep inviting her places well she's here we might as well drag her along right and how on earth is any of this helping Rita the whole reason she's supposedly there
1: Rita's never seen her <laughs> there's that one time when she came back and she walked into the cabin uh, and said oh don't shoot." Has have they shared a scene since then
0: no I'm not sure but then again, in fairness, Rita hasn't been on much because Janini.
1: Right. So, Shona explains how lucky it was that the driver left his sandwich box in the back. Otherwise, Sam would have been totally fucked.
0: Yeah. Shana Lucky. Asked, I
1: thought there was going to be something in that because wasn't there somebody's name on the sandwich box? Ah, uh, Who knows? Like with a dino tape <laughs> or something. Sharn asks when Nick will be going back into hiding and David looks suspicious as he gets a text from Yasmin letting him know that David has pissed on her carpet in another (laughs) storyline.
0: And that was hilarious.
1: (laughs) It's been a while since we've had a David-David confusion. I know. Especially one where the David confusion leads to some kind of scatological hilarity. Right. Outside in the corridor, Nick remembers that he hasn't had a cry for a good while So talks to Natasha a bit about missing Oliver And how it's good to leave the hospital with a happy ending for a change But not like that Nick says his goodbyes to Sam and jumps into a taxi at the hospital Back to hiding round the corner please, driver he says Then he notices that the driver is a man but the ID card is an old woman The taxi driver is the van driver, who I think is the goon from the hospital as well. I'm not sure.
0: No, it's not the goon from the hospital. The the goon from the hospital was bigger. This is the hipster van driver telescope guy.
1: Right. And the police have had no questions for or any interest in establishing a link with Harvey. If Nick doesn't make Leanne and Simon withdraw their statements, Sam is dead. And he hands Nick a burner phone. We'll be watching, he says. And he claims to know where Nick and Leanne are holed up and where Sam lives. And he throws Nick out of the taxi. This doesn't seem like an airtight plan. Phone the police. Right. Tell them what's happening. Right. You have a burner phone, which is now a link to Harvey, presumably.
0: Right, yeah. Seriously, it's got his number in it right there.
1: More evidence. Seriously. <laughs> tell the police. Maybe Seriously. we'll go and proper tell hiding now. Tell the police.
0: Now. Tell the fucking police. What is wrong with these people?
1: So on Wednesday Nick hasn't gone home and is sleeping on the couch at number 8 He tells Shona and David about the thug in the taxi being Harvey's goon and that they kidnapped Sam and it wasn't an accident It speaks volumes when Shona is a voice of reason here and thinks it should maybe
0: Go to the police!
1: Natasha should know and so should the police she says
0: Uh.
1: Nick reckons that he's fucked either way So Nick and Leanne uh, Nick calls Leanne and explains the deal either retract their statements or everyone's in danger and it's too risky for him to go back to the hideout leanne doesn't know what to do for the best and nick reckons he's fucked either way
0: right they're all fucked either way and nobody seems to remember still harvey assaulted a police officer and
1: was caught red-handed
0: and was caught yeah seriously so it does not matter he assaulted a police officer that alone is going to get him jail time
1: yeah, even if it's not like 15 years or whatever. Right. It's going to be a couple of years, you'd have thought, right? Right, yeah. Especially for a known drug dealer. Right. Who's caught dealing drugs. Right. So and they,
0: I mean, they could add more to his sentence if they found out that he has an illicit cell phone and he's been threatening people. Mm-hmm. Ay, 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 ay,
1: So Leanne, I guess, abandons Simon at the hideout to go see Nick at number eight. Nick keeps calm by frantically closing all the curtains. Leanne and Simon are okay to withdraw their statements, but she wants to speak with Inman first. She, just like the audience, want this to end. Nick reckons that he's (laughs) fucked either way. Inman arrives and thinks that this is insane. Thank you, Inman. Thank you, Inman. Thank you, However... They explain that there have been threats made against them, but Inman doesn't know... Inman doesn't think it's as easy as withdrawing Your statement and original statements can still be used in court. Right. They could claim to have made a mistake, but then they'll get done for perverting the course of justice. Right. And the original drugs charge that's still hanging over Simon and Leanne will send her and Simon down.
0: Right, because this is their plea deal Mm -hmm. right here. Right. So, and yet. Thank
1: you, Imran, for remembering that.
0: Yes, and yet Imran not once says, you absolutely have to go to the police. They can protect you if you've been threatened. If you're receiving threats, we need to go to the police right now, which is exactly what he should have said, and he doesn't say that.
1: The police haven't been uh backward at offering no. assistance and no. protection here. No. It's Leanne who has uh
0: just totally pushed muddied this up
1: to stay close by for some reason. The police want to help. The police can help. Unless you're line of duty. And then you don't know if it's a bent copper or not. Mm. Mother regard. Shona bumps into Natasha on the street and disabuses Natasha who is still under the impression that the Sam in a van thing was an accident. Then Leanne calls Harvey and explains a lot to him and how retracting a statement doesn't really do very much plus he was caught red-handed and punched a policewoman. Leanne suggests that the only way this is going to work for him is if they say that their statements were false but they have to wait till trial. Mm -hmm. Harvey goes off to have a think As Natasha descends on number 8 Furious that Sam was kidnapped Because of Nick And for Nick lying Well she's had enough of this And she's off to do What anyone who still cares About this story Would have done a long time ago (sighs) Tell the police Right Nick thinks that this Will put Sam in more danger And he's furious At Shona for telling her Leanne explains about Defending Harvey in court But Natasha's amazed That she's trusting Pablo Escobar here (laughs) I love that line Yay Great We can all sleep safe then She wants justice Damn it someone kidnapped her son
0: right seriously and she's not wrong she's like the only voice of reason
1: i love how she's focused on the thing that concerns her right she doesn't give a fuck at all about about leanne and simon yeah she cares that someone kidnapped sam right natasha has a laser focus when it comes to sam and i really do like it which makes it really weird when she goes off to that london all the time
0: right and, you know, also, it's hilarious the way she's like, well, I've pulled him out of school and he's going to be homeschooled now and I've got a tighter leash on him. This child that, let's remember, wanders off all the time <laughs> on his own and goes to places he's not supposed to be and just bikes long distances. And
1: he's on the Tour de France this year, I think. <laughs> Later, Shona comes in and immediately Nick pounces and points out that Natasha's going to the police, which will make Sam's life in more danger, along with Max and Lily, although he doesn't explain why and or Harry. how. Shona he
0: even goes mentions off, Harry, which is nice.
1: Shona goes off to talk Natasha out of it. And outside, Sharon sees Shona come out and wants a word, and mm-hmm. Shona just tells her to go fuck herself, which I appreciated greatly. Yeah. Shona arrives at the police station where Natasha's waiting to be seen. Joan explains the delicacy of the situation and nick would never put sam in danger why
0: on earth is she waiting to be seen right <laughs> this is not a doctor's office right. she should have got i mean i'm assuming she went straight to the desk and said hey i have information about this ongoing very serious drug thing my son who my son, who was just found in a van, really was kidnapped. I need to speak to somebody right now. You'd think that they would bring her in right now instead of take a seat. Take a seat. <laughs> we'll call you in a minute. This ha- this has happened a couple of times with a couple of people before, and it's just mm-hmm. it boggles my mind that this just like take a seat.
1: Well, it's it's desk sergeant plot that's <laughs> standing behind the desk, isn't it? Well, that's true. Nick and Leanne have got it all sorted and should Dumb be trusted. Damn you, desk. Dust- Grassing up Harvey Will put Sam in danger People completely Without any backup Again Continue to say Mortal danger Is there any other kind Says Jack Nicholson From A Few Good Men Hi Back at number 8 Shona tells everyone That it's sorted But Natasha is still human
0: And that no one Can handle the truth
1: And the Rovers Shona runs into Shannon Apologises for earlier but Shona's cautious not to reveal too much information about the events of the day until Sharon points out that she's an old pal of Gales and totally trustworthy likes.
0: Oh yeah, and Gail's told me <laughs> everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Shona oh, yeah, explains
1: yeah, yeah. that Leanne and Simon are going to change their stories and uh, get in trouble with the police themselves. Police, uh, people need to do what they think is right, but this is tearing the family apart, says Shona. And Sharon just nods.
0: Hmm.
1: Back at number eight, Natasha turns up for a word with Nick. She's already in this deeper than she wants to be. She's taken Sam out of school and she'll be keeping him on a short lead. <laughs> he got along fine without a dad before. He'll be fine again. This has been a mistake. Stay out of our lives, you scumbag.
0: Forever. Says. And also, your mum's fired and I'm not paying for that single.
1: Right. And you can see David in the background call, oh, fucking single. Sucks. <laughs> we were so close. Uh... I think this is going to be like, though, the. 50 grand or the 75 grand or however right. much it was that she gave the mm-hmm. all of her fund that once she says that she's going to do something she does it She immediately does it right so i think the sinkhole
0: yeah maybe she's already given the money and the already in the sinkholes or i think the sinkhole problem.
1: might be fixed now
0: right we're never going to hear about it again
1: i don't think so <laughs> i think that's it it's done
0: i think maybe in the summertime they'll be in the backyard and somebody will say oh thank god natasha took care of that sinkhole
1: mm-hmm. or will they just just so we, not mention it again
0: we still don't know how it happened so you, that, yeah we still haven't been able to explain how someone could engineer a sinkhole right <laughs> because they can't
1: it's like a bond buddy I- <laughs> we've got some bombs on the san andreas fault we're going to create an earthquake <laughs> that's going to create a sinkhole in our garden in manchester like eleven thousand miles away.
0: Very specifically, just this one garden and <laughs> well, then it will stop. All
1: it needs is fifty kilograms of TNT in the San Andreas <laughs> full and <laughs> David's yard's fucked forever. Okay. So oh, your Lord. thoughts on the Sam kidnapping? <sighs> There's a question I thought I'd never ask.
0: I was kind of like a number of other people where they were like, Oh, that's it? In a way, I was kind of glad that was it, because I think there's been enough child endangerment on this show to last a lifetime right, this but there's, year.
1: There's consequences but, of this that have been just skipped over, like the fact right. that the van driver, who, let's say, it happened how he's describing. Right. I got up in the morning, I got in my van, I found a kid in the back of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You'd think you'd still get questioned.
0: Right. And did they question him? Because it's just... Oh, we found him. He was in the back of a van. They don't say anything about the van driver, do they? Because the cops know
1: who who all these people are.
0: Right. So they would know
1: that this is an associate of Harvey.
0: Or maybe check out the CCTV of the van. Because we know it's on CCTV because it's like right there in the middle of the street. Which Sharon was irritated by. Mm
1: -hmm. It's outside the factory, isn't it?
0: Right. Yeah. And... I'm mean, gonna question Gary and what happened to that wardrobe or whatever? <laughs> Cause that wasn't in the back there with Sam. Thrown down the he... sinkhole. <laughs> did the van driver go help Gary with the wardrobe? Drive off to dump the wardrobe and then come back to kidnap Sam? And did he have time for all of that?
1: Mm, maybe this is the reason why and the police haven't been questioning them.
0: Why it's just why give a burner phone why give evidence to these people and why are intelligent people not saying gee we're just going to go to the police or we're not going to stop natasha from going to the police you know and we have evidence to give the police the police will protect us somebody on twitter uh before i got the twitter jail said cuz I'm in Twitter jail by the way folks <laughs> for no apparent reason um sure <laughs> i was like oh, no i can't remember what they said
1: you've thrown yourself off with the Twitter jail thing though, haven't you
0: yeah i but it, you know there was just lots of people who are like none of this makes any sense and which we've been saying for a while now there's just
1: well, we hate the storyline, obviously.
0: There are so many plot holes in the storyline, it's as if Zack Snyder wrote it. <laughs> I expect a zombie any moment. And Batman.
1: So, the, <laughs> the whole... <clears throat> the taxi that's at the head of the rank when Nick comes out of the hospital just so happens to have one of Harvey's associates in it. Nick gets locked in the taxi. They let him go... Because he's better let go than...
0: Because he has to give them the phone. You'd think they would now kidnap Nick Nick so that Leanne...
1: Puts more pressure on Leanne.
0: And Simon will come out of hiding and then they can kidnap them so they can't... Or kill them. Right. Kill them. Right. But no, they just want them to not testify, which just...
1: (coughs) Here's a phone and now it comes with a free ipad so right. here's your ipad
0: right yes here's this phone which i'm handing to you with my bare hands so it's got my fingerprints all over it
1: oh we're, we're beyond even needing kind of evidence like that aren't we
0: still it. just do you think just- natasha
1: is right to stop next scene sam the answer is yes
0: no 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 because that means not seeing gail either and audrey i want more sam and audrey <laughs> don't we all want more sam and audrey I think it's
1: about high time, though, that somebody points out to Nick that there are uh, consequences to his actions.
0: But they weren't even really his actions. They were Leanne and Simon's actions. He's just...
1: Nick chose to be involved. Nick wasn't supposed to go with him.
0: Right, I know. But still... Nick
1: wasn't supposed to come back.
0: But still, even Nick's association with Leanne puts him in danger. And that's that's not something... He had no idea that leanne was going to end up being a drug dealer when they got back together let's let's be honest back remember when she was he came back because she was run over by another gangster of some other sort he wasn't a drug dealer though was he yeah i think it was
1: wasn't he he was the guy that uh, his son
0: was on drugs
1: he he died in ryan's flat
0: right his his son was yeah cormac cormac that's right that came out (laughs) of nowhere yeah, so he came back to the show because she was run over by a drug dealer and had no idea she was going to become a drug dealer.
1: Well, it's, it's a circle of life.
0: It's a circle <laughs> of life.
1: Our next storyline And today it moves
0: us on to our next storyline.
1: is Double Flat Whites. <laughs> on one day, Tyrone and Alina are in Roy's oh, talking about God. the coffee machine that she bought and how she needs some fancy coffee mugs to go with it. Ty gets a text from Fizz reminding him about taking the girls for shoes and promises to keep an eye out for mugs at the same time. Alina calls him a good dad and she keeps a straight face.
0: <laughs> That's because she does think he's a good dad. Because she herself is a child. <laughs> and he buys nice things for her. So, or and doesn't complain her, right. too loud
1: when she ruins walls with stencils
0: <laughs> they're not stencils, they're stick-ons it's even worse, you can't even paint over them <laughs> the they sh- leave adhesive on the wall
1: the shoe shopping trip has been a success but as Ty is dropping them off at Fizzies, it gives Evelyn a chance to go through his other bags and she finds that he has more coffee mugs than Costa that was hilarious he explains about the coffee machine and different glasses for different coffees and Evelyn rips the absolute piss out of him with
0: a straight face
1: Telling him that Alina saw him coming you soft prick
0: (laughs) With a straight face he explains these things This is
1: in the room as well
0: Right It's like Tyrone do you not Do you not smell the blood in the water
1: Read the room so Tyrone hurries off to Devs, who is far more willing to humour him about fancy coffee and milk foamers. But Tati bemoans the cost of running two houses and the price of kids' shoes. He's going to need a second job at this rate, and Dev might have the answer to his problems. Where are they
0: buying kids' shoes from? Although, I did buy Stelly brand new sneakers the other day, and they were like 50 bucks, so Mario. I guess.
1: Question asked, question answered. Yeah. Dev's bright idea is to get Tyrone helping with grocery deliveries.
0: Seems yeah, like, because deliveries have been such a raging success for you, Dev.
1: <laughs> this has been Addy's idea, which makes it a good idea.
0: Okay,
1: fine. Tyrone is in, as so long as didn't, Dev...
0: Didn't he shoot down this idea of Addie's like a month ago, though?
1: Probably. Tyrone is in, as so long as Dev deals with Evelyn. I guess Ty worries that she'll feel that he's pissing on her chips here or something.
0: Right, yeah, which doesn't make any sense. You'd think that Evelyn would be happy... That he has another job so that he can pay for two households and not, you know, let her and the girls and Fizz down.
1: Mm -hmm. Evelyn tells Dev that he's enabling an adulterer and basically says as much to Ty when he comes back in. Which
0: doesn't make sense because this is money that's going to go to her and the family. Ty says
1: that he's just trying to provide for her, Fizz and the kids, not in that order. Evelyn suspects that they expect her to leave in protest, but she won't give them the satisfaction, so she just takes up residence behind the counter and creates a bad atmosphere. Good. She throws barbs at Ty as he completes orders, and refers to the children's father, who no longer lives with them. when he asks if the kids liked their shoes. In comes Alina, who Evelyn calls his fancy piece. Alina seems to think that she'd win in a battle of words with Evelyn who I'm sure uh, could have her crying in five seconds if she really wanted. Probably. Alina is making a special tea to celebrate the fact that Tyrone is now so skint that he's had to take a second job in a grocery store to survive. (laughs) Fizz comes in to the shop later and Evelyn tells her about the new employee on a Middle-aged grocery delivery boy's wages. Soon Tyrone will be able to pay for the salon flat in cash and he'll be making Alina coffees in bed served in glass mugs from compostable pods, says Fizz somewhat lamentedly. Right. Later, Tyrone is back from his final delivery and chats with Alina on the street. She's made him towed up your hole. He's about to head up and get wired in when Evelyn comes out of the shop with two more late deliveries. Sorry, Mister Dobbs, she says. That's the thing about working in a convenience store. Sometimes, Sometimes it's it can an inconvenience. That's as far as we get with that this week. I was surprised by Tyrone's willingness to discuss the coffee cups and all that kind of stuff in I, I, the house with I, Evelyn and Fizz again, there Again,
0: he seems really oblivious. He seems really, really oblivious that this is digging him a a hole. You don't talk about
1: your new life in terms like that in front of your old life, do you?
0: Yeah. Why did he even bring those glasses in, is what I want to know. And why did he buy so many? Because she's just like, oh, we need just a few. Because he buys too many. She's like, I just want those little fancy glass purple cups. And he doesn't even buy purple ones. They're clear glass. And he buys them for like every kind of Coffee drink you can think of.
1: I don't know. You got coffee in different mugs or cups or glasses.
0: Oh, well, you know, especially you get the little wee ones.
1: Oh, well, espresso, sure. But
0: the cappuccino you want like a little wider one. Do I? And then like regular coffee, it's like yeah, because of the froth, you don't want the froth spilling out. Don't I?
1: <laughs> Do I care?
0: I'm well, not sure. You I care. don't care, but Alina cares somehow, some way. This romanian child who has been you know locked up in a nail salon for a good portion of her time on coronation street cares about fancy coffee and seems to think getting coffee in pods is more is better for the environment
1: Mm -hmm, because it's compostable
0: right but still that's a lot of little pods that are sitting around waiting to compost. Meanwhile, you can take your filter and your coffee grounds and immediately put those in your garden. Mm. <laughs> you know? And nothing has to dissolve or compost.
1: Right. Our next storyline today is Ronnie Glammy. Johnny and Ronnie are bonding in the back <laughs> at the rovers talking about county managers when Daisy, who's in the show this week, breaks it up and sends Johnny to open the bar up. Ronnie. Right.
0: And Roddy makes every every fan every fan in the UK and probably around the world disgusted by saying that he supports the team of whatever city he's living in. Yikes! Yeah, he's a Johnny come. He's a Ronnie come lately.
1: He is indeed. Although a fair weather fan, probably a Manchester came city pretty supporter. quickly
0: last week though. So.
1: didn't get that impression at all quick enough somewhere that's not somewhere in between it's not two and it's not so Ronnie's leaving again through the back when Daisy asks what he does for a living he says he has a lot of fingers and a lot of pies Daisy explains (laughs) about our double glammy business and asks if he has any contacts he says no he calls it dodgy No dodger than you getting your hole off a Jenny, says Daisy. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So Ronnie decides to mentor Daisy after all, much to Jenny's surprise, considering that this is a fucking ripoff, Ronnie is forced to agree that it is a fine business plan. So later, Jenny has a word with Ronnie about the double glammy thing, and he admits that he's being as good as blackmail to sell the shite for her.
0: But he's not... He's mentoring her, and he's He's giving her her a few contacts. He's not selling it. I think
1: that's exactly what he's doing. That she's got him to sell it to his contacts. That's, that's what not what she doing. asked
0: for, though. She said she asked for mentoring and well, for a list of contacts Well, mentoring in the inverted commas. Who knows? This anyway. stops
1: here, says Jenny. You leave Daisy to me.
0: Dum, dum, dum. So on
1: Wednesday, Ronnie's making calls And the rover's making deals Daisy has put out that uh, she's not getting an introduction To whoever that she's t- he's talking to on the phone Jenny sneaks in and overhears And then tells her that she's got a nerve Daisy says that she's got it all wrong But the only thing Jenny has got wrong Was taking her in and trusting her in the first place Ha ha, says Ronnie
0: <laughs> And All of the audience
1: <laughs> Through the back, Daisy wonders why her bags have been packed Really? She admits to having nowhere else to go and she can't go back to her dad's. Turns out that they haven't spoken in years and Jenny is the only family that she's got. Really? So Daisy spins a yarn about her dad ignoring her when Jenny left and when her dad got another partner it just got worse and then they had a kid and then that was it. And Jenny falls for it. Daisy can stay after all.
0: Because Jenny's the only mother she has. And I
1: don't see this has got anything to do with the fact that Daisy is a relentless bitch
0: and manipulator, and can't be trusted. And Jenny's like, oh, with the horrible life you've had, no wonder you've turned out like this. But it's not your problem, Jenny. Hey. And we already know she's not trustworthy and a liar. Do you really believe this? Maybe call her dad to confirm. You ever yeah. think of that?
1: I don't believe a word of it either.
0: If, 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 if you're on good enough terms with her dad that you can just pick up the phone and call him, after all these years. Did she? Well, she was going to. She had the phone in her hand. She's like, I'm calling your dad right now. Which I was surprised at.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah. And yeah, and it was Daisy that talked her out of it.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I I don't know if if this is really meant to explain
0: the Why Daisy character. There. It didn't. No.
1: If it's supposed to.
0: Because let's remember, she was introduced. She was coming through town with her fiancé.
1: On her way to get married or go on Right, who supposedly had money. Mm-hmm.
0: And if she was in such desperate need and had nowhere to go, why did it take her so many years to get there?
1: I don't know. If it was supposed to explain it didn't, if it was no. meant to generate sympathy,
0: it, doesn't. it didn't.
1: You can't have a character albeit fleetingly in the show for months
0: mm-hmm.
1: be this kind of obnoxious and bad and well devious devious right
0: and manipulative
1: and then not necessarily ex- bad and then expect one extended scene of backstory to redeemer
0: right yeah that's not how this works that's no. not how any of this works I,
1: I, it's too late if i'm supposed to like her it's too late
0: yeah i like her just because of the fact that we need more baddies on the street yeah, you know there's, and, and, there's and tracy villains, he, tracy too. has kind of lost some of her teeth as far as that's concerned, so, and I think I think the actress does a good job playing kind of a devious catty oh, young yeah. woman.
1: Oh, absolutely! And I think but we need devious
0: catty young women, but we're not going to sympathise with her.
1: Our next storyline today is cut your enthusiasm <laughs> on Monday.
0: I see what you did there. Thank
1: you. Emma is struggling to get barrels from the street into the cellar Was attempted to start the Empty Barrel Awards, but I think this might be the winner and there's no point in (laughs) continuing it. When Dreamy McDreamerson comes to rescue, he's one of those devilishly handsome men who pretend that they can't talk to women without making a mess of it in order to pick up women. And it works, because Emma asks him out for a drink later. And the rovers. Emma is excited about meeting the bloke who helped with the barrels, while Johnny was off slicking back his hair with a flick comb. <laughs> She's poured Steve a glorious pint.
0: Yes, and Steve oh, and Steve acknowledges how glorious it is. That pint, which was l- nice of him,
1: amazing. And then we jovial until the guy comes in. Meet Curtis. We've met, says Steve.
0: Dum-dum-dum. And it seems that this
1: is a guy who ran Steve off the road in the bike race last week. Oh, pig's tits, says Emma.
0: How does he recognise him when he probably had a helmet on and he only saw him very briefly from the back after he's been knocked (laughs) off a bike? You didn't see his face, Steve. You didn't see his face. But he's right. He is right.
1: Kurtz claims that it wasn't on purpose and thinks that Steve is demented, but hands him back his phone, which was wedged in his bike frame. Really? there's no microphone down there
0: really do we really believe that yeah do you really believe a?
1: a, it's funny do
0: you really believe a phone got wedged like that Mm -hmm.
1: (sighs) fine he apologizes for the whole affair at home amy is team emma and doesn't know why steve is complaining they got his phone back after all
0: right yeah the guy apologized well done amy (sighs) <sighs> Amy
1: reveals that she and Tracy are worried that Steve is becoming obsessed with fundraising, which is what I said last week. Yeah, you did. And big races. And maybe he's covering up that he's not okay. He says that he's fine, but then admits that he's not 100%. And maybe he is a bit obsessed, but it's giving his life purpose. Right. He promises to do better. Right. So Steve goes back to the pub to apologise to Emma for his reaction to Curtis and for being so obsessed with fundraising and neglectful of Emma. It's such a hard thing for her. Yeah. Because of the whole sad thing. Sad thing. He's going to knock the fundraising on the head But Emma doesn't want that And suggests that they train together instead so that's Which what was they do. lovely So on Wednesday Emma's
0: such a good kid
1: Emma, Steve and Steve's sweaty tummy Have been out for a run
0: <laughs>
1: Steve thinks it's great that they're spending time together But Emma is still worried about Steve's treatment of Curtis Steve picks up the hint And promises to call and fix things And then he vomits into the bin outside costly. <laughs> So Steve meets Curtis later after he's had a wash and picked the dried puke out of his hair. It turns out that they were both racing for charity. So Steve offers to buy him a pint and make things square, but Curtis has an interview at the bistro that's never been open. So Steve...
0: Right, because they need employees to open it. But Emma, it is, it's it is open, open now.
1: Both offer to give him some tips. Hospitality is all about being hospitable. And being a waiter <laughs> is like being married.
0: Right, you just shut up and take orders. And do what
1: you're told. In the <laughs> basic row, Emma and Steve are working Curtis through and then it worked that way. And we learn that Curtis has I don't know, has plans <laughs> to be a doctor and wants a job to pay his way through uni. Steve and Emma are very <laughs> impressed. Steve can see the connection and clears his throat.
0: Ahem.
1: Emma and Curtis have eyes for each other and who can blame them? They I are I think cute. they're adorable.
0: I think they're cute. I like it. Curtis though, every
1: time I look at him. He looks like how Todd should look now, but 20 years ago. He's like a young, old Todd. He looks like Bruno Langley.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I see it. I see it. But younger.
1: Yes. So he's like new Todd from the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from Terminator- He's Terminator Todd. Right. Who's come back to... <laughs> No, he's not. He's Terminator Todd from the past who's come forward in the future. Right. How does that work?
0: If only this was a real storyline. Sarah line.
1: Connor. He says, "Oh, we need a character called Sarah Connor." If
0: only Sarah yes. needs
1: to marry Johnny <laughs> to become Sarah Connor, or a younger Connor that makes it less <laughs> less weird.
0: They're all girls.
1: Well, so Sarah
0: needs to become a lesbian, right? And Mary,
1: I'm hunting for that.
0: And Mary Carla,
1: yes. No, oh, incompatible. They're incompatible.
0: No, no, I can kind of see it because both of them like people that are bad for them, that are too much like them. They there, are very much alike. There'd
1: be, uh, there'd be a lot of fire in that relationship. There
0: would be. It would be a very fiery relationship.
1: There'd be so much fire in that relationship that I'm currently mimicking fire with my fingers now.
0: This could work.
1: So Terminator Todd, looking for Sarah Connor because of the link to the Terminator (laughs) movies. And because of that, Sarah and Carla have to start a lesbian relationship.
0: And get married. Yeah. So that Sarah would change her name to Sarah Connor. I think it works. And then, who who would they have artificially inseminate her, though?
1: Well, this is it. Because of the whole Terminator timeline... They'd inseminate themselves.
0: With what? (laughs) They're both women.
1: And there's something due to the the time travel that generates trism somehow.
0: Did you see that map? What map? The map of, of what semen is called in different parts of the United States I
1: did not <laughs> we can talk about this later
0: apparently we live in Chisholm country do we? I, can't, I, I was trees. born I was born in cum country but we now live in Chisholm country I'm spunk, what
1: has to <laughs> I'm spunk all the way what has happened to this podcast? I'm spunk <clears> the way what has happened to this podcast? I am spunk all the way what has happened to this podcast Other do Curtis announces that the interview went well and he got the job and Emma's thrilled.
0: Yeah, so that I love this. I love yeah. the,
1: I love the, the two of them together are, are, are very cute That's and cute. it works. And
0: Lots he, of people are afraid that he's going to turn into a baddie and I really hope he not. He seems such a nice guy though. Well.
1: I know. I know.
0: People just want Emma t- to not be happy. <laughs> I guess.
1: Our next storyline is Tim's mum about the house.
0: I'm getting my dancing in now. we're never going to use this again.
1: Surely Tim's mum's not going to... Out of it,
0: Yeah, but she's not living with Yasmeen anymore. We'll get to that. <laughs> Spoiler alert for something we're going to spoil in like two seconds.
1: I'll build up to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On Monday, Yasmin's Cathy set up the exercise bike in the front room and has ordered some yoga mats for them. Three downward dogs, she says. Cathy goes off for a shower. Tim's mum goes off to change into her exercise gear for a go on the bike, leaving Yasmin to take care of the dishes. In comes Alia, surprised to see that Yasmin is all on her own. Yasmin admits to being overwhelmed and exhausted and desperate for some peace and quiet. Mm. Tim's mum is finding the exercise bike relaxing which seems to piss off Cathy while Yasmin is just finishing up cleaning no. up Cathy's shite when Tim's mum squeals It's a mouse! This really is a sitcom, isn't it? Cathy jumps It's up. a
0: sitcom from the 1950s.
1: Cathy jumps up onto a wooden stool gathers up her skirts and her petticoats as poker chips, dice and flick knives fall to the floor. <laughs> it's a Tom and Jerry joke for you there. Tim's a text mom,
0: Avery and Jerry joke Not Fred the other Quimby. guy It's a Fred mm. Quimby one Is it a Fred Quimby mm-hmm. one? Mm.
1: Yep Tim's mum thinks That it ran into the conservatory Cathy corrects her It's an orangery Then Ryan comes <laughs> home
0: What even was that correction for?
1: But he's worse than the others Hates small things With lots of legs And runs away when Lots Tim's of mom, legs There's only four Tim's mum asks him to kill it Cathy doesn't think They need to kill it And Tim's mum suggests Buying it a ticket To Blackpool <laughs> This is a sitcom. Then Yasmin has an idea. Let's call ugly naked guy over and get him to catch it. Yasmin has called on David's, but he's just pissed on the carpet. It's a cat you need to point out Tim's mum correctly. And while she's dishing out the telts, uh, she makes it clear that this is all the fault of Cathy and her sliverly ways.
0: In fairness, terriers were, were, small terriers were bred to catch rats and stuff. and, and stuff. And Rats? Like, mice. like a rat terrier
1: Kathy runs up the stairs in tears insisting that this isn't her fault fuck it says Yasmin it's time to call the mouse busters so on Wednesday in preparation for next week's does uh, th-
0: anyone have a cat nobody ha- e- Nobody even has a cat on the street
1: Tracy Chris- had a cat
0: yeah but then they got rid of it mm. no one has a cat and yet there's a cat in the whose cat is that In the- it's always been there uh, it's changed colour over the
1: years. On Wednesday, Ryan's got a new tan and a haircut and is now buff. And,
0: and now wants to catch, catch that mouse. He
1: reveals to Yasmin and Tim's mum that he's got a pest control guy to take care of the mouse and he's released it on the red wreck where it was eaten by a sparrowhawk. <laughs> Yasmin has never been so turned on. Then more boxes are delivered for Cathy. Where does she put it all, asks Ryan. I know where I'd like to put it, says Tim Mum. Upper, mm. right. right. upper, upper arse. Right, Upper arse. And she goes out in the mood. Tim's mum is at Roy's rolls, complaining about Cathy and her filthy fucking ways to Roy. Roy's had a haircut as well and his eyebrows have fallen off and, <laughs> and tells her about Cathy's holding past. That's what and you passed.
0: get her only paying two bits.
1: She accumulates things she doesn't need and then refuses to get rid of them. Tim's mum goes to Dial to tell Yasmin her brand new information about Cathy's history. So fucking what, says Yasmin. Then Tim's mum brings up the fact that no one knows what Cathy's got in her room and suggests sneaking in the next time Cathy goes out. Yasmin points out Kathy's vulnerable and asks for time, and Tim's mum agrees. But unseen, Tim's mum has gone against all that and checked out Kathy's room with Brian. What a state! In comes Kathy, who becomes anxious at seeing Brian and then seems to piss herself a little bit when she learns that they've been in her room, and she throws Brian out. And she's not too happy with Tim's mum neither. Tim's mum says that she's just trying to solve Kathy's problems. Kathy says, You're my problem. <laughs> And Yasmin comes in and learns what Tim's mum's been up to, which leads Cathy to the conclusion that everyone is talking about her behind her back. Yasmin insists that she cares for Cathy as a very dear friend, and this seems to diffuse matters. So Cathy goes to the cabin to see Brian, and they both apologise to each other. She admits that she has a problem and it's getting worse. She's so ashamed. Plus, she pissed herself a wee bit back there. Brian is there for her, and Alex will be back soon. He begs her to come back and figure things out as a couple. Together.
0: Communication
1: <laughs> Later Yasmin is still pissed off At Tim's mum who broke a promise She points out that this is her house And demands a say in how it's run Well done Yasmin, that's been coming for a while mm-hmm. She will not be silenced And she is due respect This isn't working she says I can't live like this At this point the audience of the sitcom go Tim's mum bumps into Tim And explains the situation that Yasmin's And how she'll need to find a new place to live Tim hopes that she doesn't move far he's used to having her around now and Tim's mum goes back to Yasmin's, and Yasmin is already contrite but Tim's mum is more reasonable too this was never meant to be permanent especially now that yasmin has got her spunk back oh god Cathy is moving Gav on.
0: what maybe not use that word after after the previous conversation that the previous-
1: <laughs> it's in the notes if it's in the notes I have to use it Cathy is That's moving what she true, said and Tim's In terms of apologizes, But Cathy admits that she has a problem And needs to go home where she belongs Yasmin pretends that she's not over the moon About getting her house back It's been fun Mm -hmm. And they all agree Tim gets home and Sally's pretending to be (laughs) A horny estate agent And (laughs) And as a frontie twin Tim's mum follows in at the back of Tim (laughs) My mum's staying for good He announces
0: Again we're just continuing the sitcom because why he wouldn't have texted her first to say love I home and by the way I'm bringing my mum
1: so if you're dressed up as a estate agent who seems to be wearing a, a sexy dressing gown
0: mm-hmm.
1: maybe put on a not sexy dressing gown later Tim's mum comes down the stairs of Discovery to discover Sally giving Tim a row for springing this honour Tim's mum says there was a stain on the duvet so she changed it for the grey one the Egyptian cotton Says Sally And Tim's mum Bursts into flames <laughs> Sally bites her lip Fucking people She mutters Sally Sally was just So funny Wednesday Those just Few scenes Alright
0: Just Alright Just brilliant Sexiest date agent
1: And then just So pissed off About the Egyptian cotton on Friday.
0: I don't blame her.
1: Tim's mum has made a full English, much to, sh- much to Sally's chagrin.
0: Right. And this is this is the most understandable complaint she's had, because Tim's mum knows that Tim has a heart condition. Mm-hmm.
1: But mums don't care about that. Mums just want to take care of their boys. Right. By, by putting them, them in an food. early grave. Right. She accuses Tim of taking advantage of this. And later, Tim's mum reveals that Yasmin is upset at her handing in her notice at speed Tim is surprised that she's leaving, but Tim's mum wants to pick up her own life again. And besides, Sally's a fucking nightmare to live with. Yeah, you get used to it, says Tim. And later, Tim accuses Sally of making Tim's mum unwelcome. Tim's mum comes down the stairs to Discovery with her luggage. She's missing her Wednesday knacks, so keep an eye out for them. That was kind of weird, wasn't it? She had her underpants have got the days of the week on them but there's three wednesdays and four sundays
0: right because she bought them like at uh
1: she's wearing secondhand underpants
0: no it's not secondhand it's seconds meaning they were factory 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 seconds yeah not secondhand not that there's anything wrong with that if they're well cleaned and you're into that sort of thing and that's your kink that's fine we're not here to kink shame anyone
1: this is a kink
0: where have you been then again, you're the man I had to explain furries to, so never mind. Continue.
1: Oh, and you presented me with photographic evidence <laughs> of it mid-podcast, if I remember correctly, and somebody masturbating in a tree.
0: That was James, that was James Dean. James Dean.
1: Tim's James mum, Dean was
0: not a furry, though, by the way. This that, that we clear. know of. That we know of. He we just like to masturbate in trees.
1: That's what trees are for. What has happened? To you? That Tim's mum is very grateful for Sally and her belief in her right from the start and that's true. Yasmin and Tim are lucky to have her. No goodbyes, says Tim's mum outside the car. I'll write then, says Tim. Tim says he's not Tim's dad and asks for three rings when she gets home. But not La- like that. Landling, please. And she agrees. She agrees and off she goes. Tim is spent in the, uh, and he's sad as Sally tells him that Tim's mum is lucky to have a son like him. Then the phone rings three times, and Sally's about to get up to answer it, and then it stops, and she's confused. But Tim smiles, and Sally wants to finish that estate agent role play, get that clipboard and measuring tape, and they run up the to get their hole.
0: Romance—it's not dead.
1: The um, three rings thing was a lovely touch.
0: It was. It was very. Is nice. that a thing here? <laughs>
1: I don't think it is. I... Give us three rings when you—it's certainly not a thing anywhere now i don't
0: know because no as as sally rightly points out who on earth calls the landline right and it doesn't really work you know you just send a text i'm home safe
1: yeah but before texts were a thing right if your mum was visiting you Mm -hmm. or actually if you were visiting anybody Mm -hmm. mostly family though and you drove home Mm -hmm. you'd give them a cup you'd phone them let it ring for three hang up just to let them know that you got home safe safe and sound and that was a thing that you just assume is a thing that everyone does
0: i remember i remember letting the phone ring you know as code for things in the before times when we all had landlines and there was no such thing as caller id and stuff but it always meant different things like you would say okay you know if you get a call and it rings twice and then hangs up that means that it's okay to come over with the weed sort of thing. No,
1: well. That's taking a very... Teenagery? Turn. Yeah.
0: yeah this a, what this teenagers a, do. This is not a teenage thing. This is a, right. this is a well, this is, age thing. This is what I remember using it for, you know, as a teenager. Because that's all teenagers do. Smoke weed and have sex. Let's be honest.
1: If they're lucky. <laughs> Our next storyline is Footing Evelyn's Bill
0: But not like that On
1: Wednesday Bernie's stuck stacking shelves at Dev's And accidentally drops a bottle of olive oil She says it's salad cream or something later But it's not It's olive oil
0: Well you use olive oil in salad
1: When she nips through the back Evelyn slips on the olive oil And falls Claiming to hurt her foot And she milks it for all it's worth Dev who's had a haircut Comes in and is scared to ask what happened Bernie calls it an accident Evelyn thinks it's criminal negligence Everyone says Dev Let's just calm down here and he pulls a number of faces. Bernie and Dev go to see Evelyn at home, who's been told to rest by Dr. Gadas. Bernie and Dev apologise, which Evelyn takes as admittance of guilt and is ready to discuss terms. But Bernie's not falling for it, but Dev is shitting himself and pleads for everyone to be reasonable here. Make us a brew and we can talk, says Evelyn. Mm-hmm. Back at Dev's, Bernie has been run ragged by Evelyn's demands, but Dev is happy because A, he's not having to do any of it, and B, Evelyn has dropped the threat of legal action. And reluctantly, Dev offers free kebabs for Cathy for a month, not for Cathy, for, for Bernie, Bernie for a month.
0: And her family.
1: For them just to keep schtoom about the whole thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: On Friday, Bernie's late to work thanks to watch, uh, walking Cerberus, and before she gets to start, Evelyn's on the phone wanting a shop done herself. Right. And Dev reluctantly allows it uh, to keep Evelyn sweet. But it means that he's having to stay on at the shop and Bernie will have to work late. So Bernie drops off the shop to Evelyn who's sitting at home with an elevated foot. She also wants dog biscuits that she hasn't asked for previously and for Bernie to collect her dry cleaning. And when Bernie complains that she needs to get to work to work Evelyn's shift, Mm -hmm. Evelyn threatens her with a lawsuit. As soon as Bernie goes, Evelyn reveals that she's been sitting on the dog biscuits. and She treats Cerberus to one. (laughs) Then there's a minute or two time time-eating scene where Fizz has to go out and asks Evelyn to bring in the washing. Right. So a perfectly fine Evelyn goes out to unpeg the washing, but it's filmed by Dev who heard her singing. Rumbled, ya cow, he declares. And he calls her acting skills abysmal. And it's... uh, Imagine saying that to uh, Dame Maureen Lippman.
0: And it's hilarious, the whole thing with Fizz and the... Because Fizz is trying to ask her and she keeps... Talking over Fizz about things she's reading in the paper mm-hmm. about.
1: Uh, it was, it wasn't Minx magazine. I wondered if it was another one of. Uh,
0: Corey's. Yeah, uh, ATV publications mm-hmm. probably because he's so seedy.
1: One from the stable. It wasn't Minx. It was something like it though.
0: Right. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't even know they made papers like that anymore. Because it's all online. Yeah, you
1: can get magazines. Can
0: you?
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Dev thinks that this video of an old woman bringing in her washing is going to go viral. <laughs>
0: what? Yeah, that, that that bit didn't make sense. It's like, why would you even post this on the right. internets?
1: Back at the shop, Dev tells Bernie about Evelyn's duplicity and Bernie promises not to kick the fuck out of Evelyn, but she will get her revenge, either in this world or the, or the next. next. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Yes. <laughs> What what's interesting is Evelyn is playing a Bernie game,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Bernie sees through it, right, and will not be had by this,
0: right. But then she has to be had by this in order to keep her job, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: right. So it's an interesting kind of yeah. Prick. It's
0: kind of less satisfying when it's Dev who catches her. I think I would have preferred Bernie catching her. Mm-hmm. Still, this was a breath of fresh air this week. <laughs> This was a breath of fresh air to have this and to an extent that Tim's Mum stuff, you know, more of this, please. You know, it's nice to have a dark kind of depressing storyline where people are on the edge of their seat and know what's going to happen and stuff. But it's also good to have these fun storylines that are just goofy and, you know,
1: a kind of one and done. Or right, almost, right,
0: and more about these different characters interacting and and stuff, and it doesn't all have to be a very important storyline. Right. And I'm I'm glad that they're at least trying to wedge in between different very important storylines.
1: It's striking that balance. It's finding yeah. en- enough that's kind of serious, serious and um, arching. A, a longer time right. to keep you tuned in and to right. keep you watching. Yeah. It's and the, balancing that with the bits that are lighthearted and, and amusing.
0: As we said before, it's the trial of the of the soap opera because it's not a comedy mm-hmm. and it's not a drama.
1: Right.
0: It's a dramedy. There we go. And it's not even a that.
1: <laughs> right. Next up we have the Alahan Detective Agency. On Friday the Undertaker comes into Roy's Rolls to pick up an egg roll and reveals to Nina that everything's ready for Seb's funeral tomorrow. This is news to Nina. The undertaker and Ash and sister Abby probably just forgot to tell her, but Nina knows that that's a big pile of balls. So Abby drops in on Sally to borrow some funeral clothes from her. Abby doesn't want a cuppa or a chat and is scared off when a very cheery Tim's mum comes down the stairs of Discovery.
0: (laughs) Good morning, says Tim's (laughs) mum. And Abby goes, ah, and runs out the door.
1: Back at Rog's Rolls, Nina says that she needs to be there at the funeral. She needs to be able to say Goodbye. Asha offers to go with her to speak with Abby and Dina is uh, happy to accept but then Asha gets a text and immediately she has to back out and Dina's not happy about this.
0: Yeah.
1: And the reason that she has to back out is because she's meeting ITV Corey at the memorial garden and it's a very forlorn ITV Corey that we see as it describes a very monitored existence ferried from training to school to home by ITV Aww, Stephen.
0: poor baby.
1: After a little gentle probing ITV Corey maintains that but Kelly like the that. Chin is a murderer and he hopes that she gets life. Asha wants more details, but ITV Cory would rather get his hold of her in the empty flat, and he's still got <laughs> the key. But she says One that they can only be mates kid. for now, and so uh, there'll be no hold getting had today. And this is enough to make ITV Cory leave the memorial garden in a bit of a huff. So later, Asha texts them, leaves a message, maybe they should try again after all. And then Nina goes round to see Abby and tells her that she didn't worry. Nina won't be at the funeral. She doesn't want to make Abby's day any harder. And Abby decides to play semantics with a language that Nina uses, forcing Nina to apologise again. Abby says that she's lucky because hate washes over her. And if she'd been around 20 minutes earlier, Abby would be chucking plates. Nina murmurs that it's galloping grief. And Abby warns that the horses are coming again and asks Nina to leave, which she does. Yes. I really don't like Abby being this way. Well. And how much. She's dealing with grief. Yes. Which. It's not easy. It's not easy. And it's something off a, um get out of jail free card mm-hmm. to some extent. But it, at some point you have to own your behavior and.
0: Yeah, especially since you're an adult and this is still a very, very young woman. Right. Who
1: still carries the bruises off an attack.
0: Right. And who loved your son very much, Mm -hmm. even though the relationship was brief. Right. I kind of wish they'd made the relationship longer before this happened, but beggars can't be choosers.
1: Right. And this is all just a build up to next week where presumably something explosive is going to happen at the (laughs) funeral. Right, (laughs) because it's 9 p.m. Right. (sighs) <sighs> mm. I I'm think I think Nina's going to go to the funeral. I think she has to.
0: And maybe she'll just stand at the back and be very quiet. Right.
1: She'll maybe just dress up as Sam and just <laughs> hang around at the periphery. She has to go. She can't not go.
0: Here's the thing. I've I've seen some photos from next week. And in one of them, ITV Corey's wearing a suit. I hope to God he's not going to the funeral. I hope to God he doesn't have the cheek to show up. Can you imagine?
1: And that's totally an ITV Corey thing to do because in his mind, he's done nothing wrong.
0: Right, yeah, he's innocent.
1: The story is that he's done nothing wrong. If the story's true, then why wouldn't he go? Right. Well, because you didn't know Seb.
0: Right, yeah.
1: Maybe that's why you wouldn't go. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting maybe angry with this. <laughs>
0: maybe it's a little more suspicious for you to go. Right. And maybe the police will be watching that.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay, I, we'll see how that goes. No, I don't
0: I don't like the whole Asha trying to be a wee detective here.
1: Right. And I was really scared that she was going to end up getting her whole of her ITV Corey.
0: Just to, just to keep get the
1: information. The, and that's like a uh, Matahari uh, type uh, uh, of thing that isn't uh, me. That's uh, not great. Let's talk about Peter's lover then, shall we? On Friday we at the have to? factory, no one who should be at the factory is at the factory. Sarah and Carla, though, are arguing about Lucas's order. It seems that he hasn't paid and Carla thinks that he's reliable and so they should ship it. But Sarah points out that they don't shift any unpaid orders for anyone. Except Carla,
0: for that one client.
1: Who's a, the recurring one. Right. Carla says, in business, it's good to trust people, which is an invitation for a punch in the nose. Right, seriously, in business, in,
0: business, in business, it's good to not trust people. Right. <laughs> what kind of business are you in, Carla.
1: Sarah's so pissed that she meets up with Adam at Roy's Rolls and he tells her that the reason Carla's a bit spiky today is that Peter is due to find out if he's back on the transplant list again. And later, Adam finds out from Peter and Carla that because he's been able to avoid fights with fake hospital custodians, he's back on the waiting list.
0: Right, yeah, and that was a bit anticlimactic, wasn't it? (laughs) That we don't get to see that happen?
1: It's great news, but Carla doesn't enjoy the waiting game. It was quick last time, but they're not going to get lucky and get another Ruby Lover so fast. I wish there was another. There was something I could do," says Adam as he eyes up Hope on the other side of the street. <laughs> Adam and Daniel are at Speed Dial discussing uh, what to be done about Peter and Daniel. Enc- encourages them both to bring up the subject of them being tested as suitable donors again. Peter was against it in the past, but since he was last pushed to the floor by an imposter janitor, everything's changed.
0: Right, and since, and also, you know, when he re- rejected in the past, they thought he had. He thought he had like years to. Mm-hmm to wait
1: so peter has joined them but still can't accept it's too big an ask daniel refuses to accept us, but peter points out that they can't force him to eat their livers
0: it's too big an ask for my family to test but it's not too big an ask for me to take one from another family
1: we'll just see about that says nice. daniel who produces a gun a knife and a welding kit <laughs> daniel's idea and a
0: bathtub full of ice
1: was the grass on peter to carla he has to explain his guilt for accepting that his family members take a risk for him But she wants to speak with Peter on her own And she reminds him of a promise that he made to her and Simon That he would do anything to get well again Living with him right now is like the first ten minutes of the bone Supremacy <laughs> This transplant means a tension-free future Let them get tested
0: Right, yeah, this is not, this is just a test
1: Yeah So back at the factory, Sarah, it's just a tip so back at the factory, Sarah apologizes to Carla, but her mind is elsewhere just now What with Peter agreeing to Adam and Daniel's offer of getting tested. And this is news to Sarah. Mm. Daniel and Adam have gone to the pub to drink pints.
0: Right, because they still think, they don't know right. that Peter has changed his mind. So
1: fuck it, basically. Because,
0: right? so, Because for some reason, Carla goes back to the factory so instead so of confusing. going straight to David and, uh, or not David... Daniel and
1: uh. Sarah finds him and gets stuck into Adam for offering his liver to Alki Uncle Peter. <laughs> she tells him that Peter. And she
0: says that too. <laughs> she says you're really going to give your liver to your alcoholic Uncle Peter. She says it exactly like that. I thought
1: she actually called him an Alki. Daniel isn't impressed. Daniel basically says, "You watch your mouth, bitch." It was And Adam says, "You settled in."
0: Yeah, both of you settled, dude.
1: She tells him that Peter is going to accept her offer, and she can't believe Adam didn't tell her. Adam just wants to help, but will withdraw if Sarah wants. She says it's too late. Just crack on, you handsome lump of Scottish goodness. And that's as far as we get with that this week. So, oh
0: God, you know.
1: Either Daniel or Adam are going to be suitable matches,
0: right? And who, then they're going to die. Do you think? I don't- no. but you know the way Sarah's like oh it's too risky when it's not really too risky because it's just going to take a little portion they, they don't have to take that much of the liver to grow a new liver it's like less than a quarter of the liver there's still some risk attached to the well rate. yeah just like there's some risk to any form of surgery right but, so if
1: you can avoid it you should
0: but you know this is like she's acting like this is like people die gi- giving livers which does not happen. People who get the livers will sometimes die, and there's apparently a risk that if you are if you have received an organ donation, then the COVID vaccine COVID nineteen vaccine doesn't work for you because of all the immunosuppressive drugs you're on. Oh,
1: let's not confuse this any more than we absolutely have to, shall we?
0: Our long guys here.
1: Oh, fuck's sake.
0: I just saw a random man in our yard with a weed whacker, and it was like, it's either our lad guy or Jason for Well,
1: let's <laughs> hurry through this because this gets loud. <laughs> All right, let's try and get through this before they come really in. Yes. Our final storyline this morning is Rumbling Charon.
0: This oh. is finally.
1: On Friday, Gemma arrives at the cabin just as Shannon is hanging up on Harvey. She claims it was her business partner and she needs to get back to her normal life. Gemma reckons that Rita's going to miss having her around, although it remains to be seen that Rita's actually aware that Sharon didn't leave weeks ago. <laughs> as Sharon grabs her back, as Sharon grabs her coat and her bag, ready to abandon the cabin, Gemma insists on an impromptu piss-up to say cheerio. At the Rovers, Johnny's got his hole. And is very happy about it as Ronnie joins him in the back room <laughs> and Johnny goes off to see his MS nurse, promising to take Janet out for lunch later, which she thinks, oh, means a bistro. Right. is meeting with Harvey in the clink.
0: But with a new menu. <laughs> right. With She's, a dirty burger.
1: Whoever that is. She's upset at having to break up a family But Harvey doesn't give a shit Sharon is keen to get the fuck away from Weatherfield and back to her dog But Harvey has other plans for her to micromanage the street Until the trial is over
0: Who's taking care of her dog?
1: Right Harvey loves a bit of micromanagement
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: they over Jenny's got the bubbly on ice to say Fuck you later to Sharon But she comes in and announces that she'll be staying on for another few weeks at least Oh that's super news, says Jenny And Gemma is genuinely thrilled by this And insists that they get wired into the champers anyway so Gemma goes to take Alad to an appointment And Jenny wants to know what's going on This business partner excuses pish Sharon says that it's all because of Rita She's only here for that reason and nothing else Then comes Johnny who is sure that he's seen Sharon before mm-hmm. But Sharon insists not and hurries off Sharon goes to the bistro where she meets up with Ronnie The two of them end up sharing a table And some bad chat about cats and dogs being the pets of villains and heroes in come Jenny and Johnny, and via the exchange of a few words, Shan is quick to detect that maybe Johnny and Jenny have got their whole off of each other.
0: Oh, no. She...
1: No, she notices something straight away between mm. them. Johnny though, Johnny, though, has remembered where he saw Shan. It was at the jail. Jenny reminds us all of the mentoring scheme that Johnny had never heard of as mm-hmm. Shan doubles down and describes that the mentoring as incredibly rewarding. Mm-hmm. Her phone goes, and she hurries off. Johnny smells bullshit, so Jenny chases after her, interrupting her call. There's no such scheme, so why the fuck are you here? Sharon tells her to mind her own business, which is a bit of a cheek, considering yeah. any number of characters could have said that to her any number of times in right, the past and should weeks. have. She goes off as Ronnie comes out, and she secretly observes Jenny and Ronnie chat somewhat intimately. Mm-hmm. Back at the rovers, Jenny sees Gary and asks if he came across a Harvey in jail. Gary, because he's the supervillain, decides that he can help and he knows that uh, Harvey (laughs) was a big-time drug dealer. Right. It was bad news. Jenny asks if Gary can help find out if Harvey and Sharon are linked in any way. Gary. Agrees. Happy to help.
0: Happy to help. Just your friendly neighbourhood villain.
1: (laughs) Meanwhile, Ronnie catches up with Sharon to make sure that she's okay after her quick flit. Sharon smells a rat and tells him to mind his own business, which again is fucking rich. Mm Mm-hmm. So Ron explains Sharon's behaviour back to Jenny. She reckons there's something going on here with someone in jail and she appreciates his help. Mm-hmm. And later she's sweeping outside uh, the rover on the pavement when Sharon comes by with a takeaway. Jenny threatens Sharon that she's on to her and Rita will be finding out about this but Sharon plays the Ronnie card and based on Jenny's nervous reaction she knows she's right and cackles as she goes off to eat her chips. Don't make me any more of an enemy, shouts Sharon. Mm. Later. Gary has been happy to confirm that Harvey does indeed have a link to Sharon. He's her nephew. Well done, Gary. Let's not investigate too much how you've managed to find that out.
0: Right. Well, he he shows her pictures of them on social media, which anybody (laughs) could have done at any time. Jenny. Yeah, seriously. It's like Sharon's on The police. Sharon's back on the street. Did nobody on the street say, oh, Sharon, it's lovely to have you back. What you been up to? Yeah. Let me check your Facebook. Right. Yeah. We should be Facebook friends. No, nobody did that? you think Gail would have done that first off.
1: So Rita, yeah, I know. So Rita goes to see Jenny, who explains the connection between Sharon and Harvey. Rita, probably halfway shitfaced faced by now in the day, doesn't give a fuck. Sharon is her foster daughter. She can't be shocked if there are Bampots in the family. Right. She doesn't understand why Jenny cares. So Rita and Sharon bump into each other outside her house. Rita tells her that she knows about Harvey and Sharon's face falls off and she quickly twigs who grassed her up. The truth was always going to come out, says Rita, and they go indoors. Mm -hmm. And that's how we end this week's episode.
0: The truth will always out.
1: Mm. Mm. Some uh, portentous words there from mm, Rita.
0: So maybe some Cory After Dark plot there as well.
1: Right. And I think it's not maybe bubbling up as much as I would like. (sighs) but we do have a sense that we're coming to some kind of conclusion right or yeah. some kind of boiling point on right. a number of stories sharon's going to get found out and there's going to be a punch-up or some kind of stuff at the, right. at the funeral
0: maybe guns who knows
1: oh, guns again
0: maybe maybe <laughs> who knows this is what they like to do don't they throw guns in just randomly every once in a while for
1: Eileen to then run off and hide in a bin in the red wreck for kids (laughs) to find later yeah that tends to happen Uh, I will not be sad to see this come to a conclusion and that will come as a shock to no one who listens to this because this has just been
0: it's just so farcical at this point
1: it's been a time eater isn't there another story that we could be working this whole the way this has developed hasn't got better with age. No, it's it continues to get demonstrably worse. worse, right? <laughs> right it it's is. gotten
0: demonstrably worse, and it's just it kind of feels like they took it in a direction and then realized how bad it was, but that they couldn't backtrack. They just have to plow through it. Yeah, they have to, and
1: they've made their bed.
0: The plowing through it is just. It's like they haven't—they recognize it was going to be bad, but they've already set it up, so they're just going to keep it bad. It's like a Zack Snyder movie all over again.
1: I have a feeling that Shana's going to meet her end in the next week, and I have a feeling that—and
0: I have a feeling feeling that
1: that, Corey might be not long for this world.
0: And I have a feeling that Sharon is going to meet her end in a way that redeems her somehow. Oh, God.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. She's been 99% bad. Right. She's going to have this little, maybe half a percent that's maybe ambivalent she's gonna and take, then the half a percent that's She's going
0: to take a bullet for Sam. Oh, God. <laughs> Somebody's going to try to shoot that kid. Sharon's going to uh, run in front of him and she's going to die.
1: I feel kind of personally offended by lots of bits about the story because it it pisses on the audience a little bit
0: Mm. Mm. i remember what i was going to say earlier about this that somebody on twitter said that they they sympathize with people who actually are in witness protection and in the police and she sympathizes with police who are actually investigating drug crimes and stuff because storylines like this don't make their lives any easier in the real world. Yeah. By
1: and I think there are um, some opportunities for confusion between a proper police procedural. Right. And I'm not even counting Line of Duty as that. Right. But it's more true to life, I guess, than, than, this. than this is. But this is really just, this is farce now.
0: Right. And we recognise it's, o- it's a soap opera, so it doesn't have to be realistic. But when you're dealing with things that have repercussions in the real world. And when you're dealing with storylines and making them into very important storylines and saying, and you know, putting out in press releases and stuff, how you've researched real life stories and stuff and everything, then it, puts responsibility on you to Mm. do it right you know if you're just gonna do it then do it and and not make it into this whole oh well we're working really closely with this charity and really researching exactly how they do these things if you're gonna do that you you have an onus to make it as realistic as possible
1: there's a a kind of standard deviation from the truth that is acceptable obviously right. in fiction and you go into a show like this and you expect um the the, the boundaries of reality to be stretched a little bit and you go right. along with it and you invest in it because you're a viewer and you know who mm-hmm. you're going to watch and that's fine but you, when you take it too far yeah and it, it's not a line that is visible Mm-mm. so it's a judgment call of right. where a storyline goes that's too far that it it, it descends into farce and it descends into i am no longer willing to believe this and that's when you lose your your audience and Mm -hmm. lose your viewer and in this storyline i think we've gone beyond that line
0: yes a
1: number of weeks ago
0: yes absolutely so
1: it'll be thank fuck when it's done absolutely and i'm so sorry that sean has come back for such a terrible story right
0: yeah yeah it's like um that whole thing with johnny and the ms and the delusions and stuff You'll notice that, you know, once people who actually have MS and stuff started writing the show and, and writing to the press saying, Well, wait a second, no, this isn't actually how this happens and this can this storyline can in fact be very damaging to people who have MS, it kind of quietly went away, the delusions and stuff.
1: Yeah. And if I'm wanting to be particularly pedantic about it, the fact that a character who had problems with his sight recalls seeing Sharon at the prison one time
0: Mm. Anyway. Maybe he heard her.
1: Well, yeah. It, she Somebody who smoked 60 a day, right?
0: She has a very distinctive voice.
1: Your moment of the week. Uh, <sighs> I have a suggestion that I don't think you're going to go for.
0: <laughs> Is it Dev catching?
1: Nope. Evelyn? Nope. It's the State Agent Sally.
0: (laughs) Is it the initial State Agent Sally or is it the grab your clipboard and your measuring tape and get up them stairs? I don't
1: care. (laughs) She's already smell feed of the week. I think that's more of the week as well. It was my favourite part of the week.
0: It's been a long time since we've given it to Sally and Tim, hasn't it? it's been a while.
1: I think that sounds like a yes then. Yeah,
0: let's let's do it. That's our moment of, of the week. week. Our moment of the week.
1: Your boring moment of the week.
0: Mm, gosh. Brian using his laptop to talk to people on the internet to try to find Sam.
1: Or is it David just going backwards and forwards between the red wreck and the school? That was kind of funny, I guess. Brian was kind of funny as well.
0: Right, yeah, but the, the, the whole conversation of you know, I have friends in I still have friends in the school system. I'll 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 message them to see if they have any ideas about where children might be hiding. Yeah, Come That's,
1: that's gonna get you arrested, Brian. Right? <laughs> Fair enough. That's our boy
0: moment of A yeah, boy
1: moment that'll of that'll
0: do. Yes, that'll do. If you're a
1: grown man with a favorite colour, maybe it's time to think about growing up. <gasps> right Tales for Tips. How? We're the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram.
0: Your favourite colour is
1: blue. You can shout me in hell. No, it isn't. You can <laughs> shout me in hell in a coffee right, by heading black. to kofi.com slash the talk of the street. That's k o fi.com. Check out the clicky clicky section of vogel.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rate and under review on the iTunes or on your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode and we will be back next week with more
0: Talk of the Street. Talk of the Street. Cheerio. Bye. It is black, right?